Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by our two rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howe. Good afternoon, chaps. Afternoon, Good afternoon, Ben. Uh, we've got plenty to discuss today. The Wales squad for the Six Nations being announced, plus we've got a massive weekend of European rugby. Uh, but we'll kick off with the Wales squad. So we've had the 39-man squad, a bit unusual, 39 men. Uh, I suppose the two big talking points are the inclusion of James Davis and Josh Adams, the young cat duo, and the exclusion of one Jamie Roberts. The thing is, if you look at the squad, there actually weren't that many surprises. And yeah. part of the reason for that is that 39-strong squad. What it's meant is that they've been able to go, you know, they've gone beyond what they did last year when they had 36, which has given them a bit more scope to cover more positions. Part of that is because of injuries. If you look, you've got the likes of uh, Falatau and uh, Priestland, who are probably going to be unavailable for the first two, three rounds. George North just coming back. Halime Moss, maybe another week beyond that. Moriarty and Liam Williams only returned last week. So they needed a bit more depth to the squad to cover all those injury issues. So it meant there's less people excluded, less people omitted. Um, as for the start with the ones who have been left out I mean again not hugely surprising Jamie Roberts there was a wonder a, a question would he come back in because much had been made about the autumn was development whereas this tournament in rugby played really well for Harlequins against Northampton at Twickenham and penultimate day of the year back to his old you know ball carrying uh, destructive tackling self but he's not involved same with Luke Charteris um, so you start to think maybe the end of the international road them and the other one is Thomas Young um, Andy, tell, Andy was at the press conference yesterday I think uh, Warren Gatlin said there he's unlucky to miss out but it's just a really competitive position in the back row so no huge surprises um, and let Andy talk about the, the, the new of, ones Josh yeah, Adams there's, there's, well no first of all there's a couple of others isn't there Dan Evans arguably perhaps being one of the yep. form fullbacks Welsh rugby it's not a surprise is it it's, it's not a surprise because um, whereas I'm picking him really since about two, 2009 nine. But he has been playing well. There's uh, off a sonic attack in threat. People always ask why he's not in it. Uh, it's clear, I think, the Wales management don't think he can make a step up to international rugby. But the counter argument of that is some people thought that about Josh Namidi, and he was one of Wales's players of the, um, of the autumn, and particularly as well as Wales have had back three problems. Uh, George North, he might be playing this weekend. Uh, Cuthbert's been injured as well. The Alfenny's uh, been injured. Amos has come back from an injury. So perhaps uh, you know they have been short. They are short of a bit of depth there at the moment. The other bloke was missed out as well. Bit of a surprise, really. Christian Dacey, hooker. You know he was reserved to Ken Owens in the big matches in the autumn. Played all four games. Played all four autumn. games. He's had injuries, hamstring. Uh, but and Scott Baldwin, Lion King, our old pal, Lion King, replacing uh, the lion. Is uh, yeah, is <laughs> uh, you know he had his difficulties early in the season after he stuck his uh, hand in uh, through the fence in a uh, in a game reserve was it, and Both he got time, bit yeah. by a, a lion. But he's uh, back to his best now, and he's uh, you know some people would argue he's the main man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> But he's been uh, he's been playing well, Scott Baldwin. So he's forced his way back in the squad. But what's interesting is at expense of uh, Daisy, not Elliot D. Well, Elliot D is a player I think they see has got a big future. So they've stuck with the uh, with the um, young man. Christian's Liam, had a few injuries as well. This yeah, season, he has. Yeah. yeah, hamstring and all that. And Liam Brown's all, also missed out because he hasn't played since the New Zealand game because of concussion. And it's good to see Dylan uh, Lewis uh, fit and uh, and back in the squad. And as regards uh, James Davis, 
James, you know, he deserves his place in the squad, I think. He's an outstanding uh, rugby player. Uh, he's certainly not a manufactured Jim Monkey type of guy, is he? He's, uh, um, you know, he's a natural, isn't he? He knows what to do. Uh, he's got a f- good skill set, reads the game really well. Uh, Wales are blessed with back row riches uh, in that position. So whether or not he'll get a game, it's going to be interesting. He's going to have to do something in uh, training, uh, yeah, probably. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Like uh, Last year we were here, seven uncapped players went through the tournament none of them got minutes yeah this year is two players do we see either of them getting any minutes no, throughout well, the tournament uh, it's, well and you on injuries really elsewhere yeah, James, James Davis I think you, you'd you have to accept that um, Navidi uh, Tipperich and I would suspect Ellis Jenkins is ahead of him in a pecking order so he could be fourth choice number seven so he's got a lot of work to do he's going to have to uh, you know well I'm sure he will throw himself into training and uh, prove a few people wrong. It's, you, it's competitive area, though, isn't it? Because if you look at it, I mean, Shingler, we were talking about Shingler in yeah. the office today. He's done so well over the last 18 months. Great for the Scarlets against Bath again the weekend. And he's the go to man for Wales in the autumn of the lineup. So you could see him starting at six. Well, he's and, and if Moriarty can prove his fitness, given mm-hmm. what he did last year and what he brings with his ball carrying, his dynamism, his aggression, you'd see him at eight. So then yeah. you've got one from four on the open yeah, well, side. So it's really, really hard work to get. Well, I think that's the situation. I think it's probably uh, more chance of Josh Adams playing. But again, that could be dependent on what we already talked about, but the injuries uh, in the back three. Uh, but he has been lighting up the Reba Premiership. You know, he plays for Worcester, not uh, uh, a very, very good side, really. When the uh, uh, near the bottom of the table, but he's a top try scorer in the Reba Premiership. You can't argue with that, can you? I think it's nineteen tries in uh, nine tries. Sorry, in uh, is it thirteen matches? Something? I'm reading you know, your article yesterday. Could be a man of Gwent soon. Well, the Dragons are certainly after him. Um, of course, the only snag is is that he's um, every time he scores a try, his value goes up. He's got another year on his contract. Probably means a transfer fee. But Worcester are strapped for cash, so uh, you know, they might want to offload him. They've offloaded a winger today, the Australian Cooper Vuna has gone to uh, to Bath. Now they've taken him off their uh, uh, wage bill. Um, so maybe if someone came up with a good enough offer with him, he, they'd be keen. Uh, they would, uh, you know, they would sell. Plus, I think the other thing is that the thing the guy wants to come back to Wales to further his international career because he's going to have to come back at the end of next season anyway under the 60 cap rule. Could uh, the Dragons afford it in their budget to cut by a transfer fee for him? Well, they own by the Welsh Rugby Union, aren't they? <laughs> and of course, what did the Welsh Rugby Union do with Bradley Davis? They paid the transfer fee for him to go to the Ospreys. So you can't rule anything out, can you? No, you can't. Maybe it will depend on Adams how good the Welsh management think he is. The interesting thing with Adams is that I tallied it up today, and if you include in Reese Patchell and Anscombe as fullback options, which I think you have to do, as yeah, if they sure. played recently and shone recently for their regions, you've got nine players in that back three contingent. Now, obviously, you've got the likes of North and Amos just coming back from injury. Cathedral, yeah, they've got one start since his own injury, I think, a couple of starts maybe. So you've got players who have to prove their fitness, but there's a lot of options in yeah. that back three department. One thing with Adams is he's proved his fitness, and he's been fit all season. And, and, he, he, and, and he's, he's, he's the quickest player in the squad, do you reckon? Well, I am seeing enough of him to make that. He looks really he looks sharp. Really it's sharp. a remarkable story because he was at the Scarlet's, from Hendy, Nathan Etley. He was at the Scarlet's, only had the one first team game in the LV Cup, and that was it. And just didn't get the opportunities. Played for the Nathan club side mainly. Gone out to Worcester, ended up on loan at Cinderford, playing in that, that lower level of rugby. This last two seasons got his chance in Worcester, and he's really taken it. It's a, it's a real fairy tale story that he's the way he's turned his career around, you know. And uh, all credit to the kid. 
Absolutely, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll stick on the back three. Uh, obviously, after the Scarlet's performance, everyone was raving about Reese Patchell's performance at fullback. Uh, it, it's, it's, I suppose it's known that the Wales management like him there. Do we see him sort of perhaps started against Scotland I would at 15? Have, I would have no qualms of playing him at 15. The other thing, if you think about it, the, yeah. trend, the trend we're talking about and over the last few months is more playmakers in the back division. We saw Owen Williams playing at 12 in the autumn. If you look at the way that both Patchell uh, played for the Scarlets last couple of weeks and also Anscombe for the Blues, you've got another playmaker at 10. Make, come in, stepping into the ten row from fullback because you know your, your second playmaker doesn't particularly have to be the twelve. It, you know, it can be the fifteen. The way the game breaks up, you could even go with three of them. You could you, you could have a ten, twelve, fifteen, tri- a triple playmaking option. Um, so I think both Patchell and Anscombe, let's not forget, played in the World Cup at fullback. You know, Wales like him. They like the lit Patchell like that. So it's, it's a realistic option, I think, especially given the few injury issues in the wing, which might mean Liam starting on the wing. Therefore, you've got a choice. Then, do you go half penny, the solidity of half penny fullback, or do you go for the more um, creative and plus counter-attacking ability from Patchell and Anscombe? It's, it's, I think it's a realistic. And don't option. forget, Patchell has played fullback twice for Wales, second to the test in New Zealand in uh, 2016. It went well. It went all right. Defence got a bit shown up, but then the All Blacks were playing really well at the time, and they had so much pace in their side, and uh, and you know they outran Wales, and I think that was the start. That was the beginning of the end for Jamie Roberts. Uh, defensively, uh, he was found out over there, and uh, even though he's played quite well with the ball for Harley Quinns this season, uh, I don't think his defence is as good as it used to be, and I think that's probably the real reason why he's not in the Wales squad. I'll tell you what's interesting is that Patchell left the Blues because both he and Anscombe <laughs> wanted to play a ten, and now now both playing a fullback and m- might find their best chance of playing for Wales this autumn as fullback. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing to bear in mind: is Reese Priestland's hamstring. You know how long is he going to be out, and uh, so that would mean that would open up perhaps on the bench for Anscombe or um, or Patchell. Yeah, I think I, I think if we're being realistic, but we, we see what Gatlin's done in the past. I think we're more likely to see Halfpenny at fullback, Liam Williams and North on the wings if North's fit, and then you've got either Anscombe or Patchell covering both ten and fifteen on yeah, the bench with, with bigger that. bigger starting at ten. That's the yeah. conservative way we would probably expect the Wales to go for the first game of the championship. Especially, probably would. especially coming from the autumn. Well, if, if Owen Williams does start a centre, well, you, centre. You I think you we were talking the centre. You tend, centre's the harder one. I you think. tend you tend not to see. Team go with three playmakers yeah. do you like England play Farrell and Ford so Alex Good doesn't get a look in no. ahead of Mike Brown but your Blacks play Mackenzie and Patch is slightly different because Patch you can actually use not just as a playmaker but very much as a counter-attacking yeah. fullback the, the centre is an interesting one we were talking about it earlier you know he's got options there hasn't he you know Owen Williams came in there was the big move away from Warren Ball away from um, Jimmy Roberts being the sort of pivot of the team for so many years and going to a more of a footballer at 12 Owen Williams, quite a few positive things came out of that. And then obviously Hadley Parks came in for the last game where Williams was unavailable because he was out of the window. He's got two tries on debut. So you've got the two kind of options there as 12 because it seems that Scott Williams is seen as more of a 13 maybe by management. Uh, as we were saying earlier, you know, if you go for Owen Williams, you're going for purely a playmaker. If you go for Parks, you go for someone who can make the right decisions, make the right passes, but also hit it up if necessary. So it depends. I, I think and, a lot you, of that. George North, you were saying. I think a lot of that will depend on George North. If George North is uh, fit, or the other option is use Alex uh, Cuthbert, uh, is uh, to get, have a big man bring him off the wing into midfield, playing off ten or twelve, and he could do that smashing up job, which perhaps Owen Williams uh, you know, wouldn't be able, wouldn't be able to do, to do. So I think North's fitness over the next couple of weeks uh, uh, is pivotal, pivotal 
to the uh, makeup of the Wales three-quarter line. So if North starts on the wing, who starts in the centre for you? What do you think of that? I think Owen Williams and uh, and uh, Scott Williams would probably start then. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, but I might be wrong. I wouldn't surprise me to see Adley Park's doing that all my job. Because I think, you know, I think, forget throwing the ball around too much. Wales will play a more expansive game, but they'll be going on our pitch against Scotland to do one thing, batter the Scotlands up front. Batter the Scots up front. And that's what we'll move on to next, uh, to the pack. Um, the back row is shaping up to be interesting because, you know, certain players are carrying... Well, I think Some the back credit. row. I think two of the back row set. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the back row is already picked. That's the thing. People are carrying credit, but you're getting people like so Navidi's got a lot of credit in the bank. But yeah. Someone like Justin Tipper is coming back, and it, it's where does Gallen go with that? Yeah, well, Tipper, man of the match last weekend, wasn't he? Against, yeah, he's uh, in a bit of form Saracen. now. He was quite early this season. He had that quad injury, which Rishi uh, uh, ruled him out of the ultimate nationals. Then he came off the bench a bit, so he struggled perhaps a bit for form this season. But you know, a lot of players have struggled, went on a Lions tour, struggled for form this season. You can see it in England with their players not performing uh, so well for the country or, or club because the uh, Lions, as you know yourself, haven't been on at all, Ben. It's such a gruelling experience and mentally it's pretty uh, tough. So you can have a bit of a, you know, you can have a down after it. Um, so Tip Rich, I think, I, I, I think Navidi is ahead of it because Navidi had a big autumn finish. And I think at the moment, Navidi is probably just ahead of Justin Tipridge. Shingler's a certainty to start at number six. Moriarty, if he's fit and gets a couple more games under his belt, I think he'll definitely start at eight. Yeah, I think the fitness of Moriarty is the key one, isn't yeah. it? I mean, Gats was, Gatlin was talking yesterday and he said he's got work to do, hasn't he, to get the fitness up. He's already played two games since coming home from the uh, Lions too early with his back nerve problems. So can he get up to speed in time? They might decide looking at him, just having him on the bench, which in a way would simplify things because you'd probably then look at Shingler at six, Navidi at eight, and Tipperick at seven. You know? I wouldn't have Moriarty on a bench. I think you either got to start with because say Navidi started at eight and had a bump, Moriarty comes off a, off a bench after five minutes and then only lasts half hour himself. Mm. What's the point of that? It'd be better off to start with Moriarty if you only get 55 minutes out of him. And Navidi, Navidi then can go eight or another possibility. You know, Shingler could perhaps play eight as well. Well, the other interesting thing, of course, is that. It seems to be the trend these days, doesn't it? Tipperick has been packing down at eight recently in a lot of situations for the, the Ospreys. And it, the way the whole game is changing now well, and the space opportunity. Because, because the scum half can come chasing round exactly. now, can't it? So yeah. you've, got a bit, uh, you know, if, uh, you've got a bit more time at the base of the scum to perhaps uh, control the ball. You see the likes of Will Boy playing eight for the Scarlets as well. On Saturday, I think when he was packing down at eight, that's because McCusker had gone off and Will Jones, another open side, had come yeah. on. So... That's the reason behind that one. I mean, he's obviously, if I remember rightly, I think he was playing eight to the under twenties level tips because there was the, he was in the back row. I think with, played six with, with Warburton. Played six. Who was the third one? And it was uh, Franks. That's right. Yes, Dan Franks. Dan Franks. On Cardiff. There we go. We ended by injuries, I think. But the point about it all is there's a huge amount of flexibility in that back row and a lot of options there, just as there are in the back three. I think those are the two areas in yeah. particular where you could go so many different yeah. ways. It's quite hard to the, call those two the areas. The other one I got to mention was about Alice Jenkins playing number eight. Yeah, that's the other one. Gatlin saying. is a big fan. Well, of that's that's the other thing I was thinking about when we were talking about this whole thing about open sides, more you know, you know, quicker, perhaps more dynamic players playing at eight. You know. Uh, it's an option with the way the game is going now because it's speed of the ball, especially if there's you know 
we talk about the set piece being such an, a key attacking weapon, you know, and I think having someone with a pace off the mark there is very important. But then Moriarty brings that dynamism and that zip off eight as well, isn't it? it oh, yeah. the, the great thing is, if you compare it where we were three or four weeks ago, when we were looking at all the injury issues, and it looked pretty gloomy, all of a sudden, particularly in that back three and back row position, we've gone from crisis to sort of, oh, this is a bit of a selection headache, and where do we go? So, you know, which is the best place to be in, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, from that nice little positive, we'll move on to the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. Uh, I've got my so, tables in front of me, Benjamin. Yeah, here we go. This here we where, go. This is where the maths begins. So let's start with, well, there's only one place to start, and that's where you were on Friday night. What a fantastic performance the by Scarlet. the Scarlets at Bath. One of the best regional performances of uh, all time. Uh, you know, it was just like watching a top super rugby team, wasn't it? It was like watching the, uh, the, the Chiefs or the... Um, Hurricanes or the Islanders, you know, attacking from basically from their own try line, offloading before contact, and then the ball do the work and just fantastic support running, great lines, and um, they just took Bath apart really. Final score was thirty five seventeen, I think, if I remember rightly, but really didn't reflect the game. The Scouts got the bonus point in a bag, let Bath back in a bit. You know, thirty five eight would have been a fair result. They absolutely stuffed them. And it was a magnificent turnout. Must have been best part of a couple of thousand Scarlets fans there. And they took over the ground. They owned that ground. They'd, uh, uh, their singing was superb. And I noticed before the match, we, at Bath, you walk under the stand and the tunnel is under the stand. And it was great because the Scarlets players were doing their going out for their warm-up. And loads of those supporters were there before and inspiring them in before kick-off. You know, you could see they were right up for it and the players were right up for it. And then they teach Bath the lesson of how to play rugby. I watched it, you know, um, on television, and I thought it was the first time they've really clicked, really clicked, since those playoffs at the end of last season. Yep. Suddenly you had a good rugby playing conditions. They went with an absolute mindset and intent to do it. And the thing they all know that they can do it. It was a great quote from um, Ken Owens afterwards. He said, Explain how it happens, Ken. We've learned to learn the unexpected, to expect the unexpected of each other, and that's brilliant, isn't it? There were times in that game where you were watching it, and obviously the, the camera angle, you're not getting a full picture of the pitch watching on television, and you'd see a ball being offloaded back, and oh, where's that going to? And all of a sudden, Scott Williams or James Davis will come hurtling onto it, and the move will continue. I mean, the first try, uh, you know, from which, which they scored, a, attacking from deep with Patchell, balls goes through about 15 pair of hands. There's hardly a tackle missed by Bath after the initial insert because there's no tackle opportunities. The ball's yeah. the ball's going either in the tackles and offload or before the tackle. What, the way what, they keep the ball alive is what incredible. Was in, what was interesting with that try is I thought, why, why didn't Patchell mark the ball? He was just in his 22. I wasn't sure <laughs> if he thought he was just outside the 22, but he didn't make no attempt to mark a ball. He just ran across field. Once He did beat a, a chaser. Once he beat that chasers away, and a key thing for me in that movement was the pass by the lock forward. They were both yeah. Fantastic pass, which really, you know, we saw it in last year's uh, Pro 12 semis and um, final when they were getting the ball wide with that pass. Someone had to make a vital pass because drawing in the um, uh, defenders and bouldering did it. Great pass, a lot of locks would just put their head down, just charging the contact. But he offloaded that ball and that pass freed him on the outside yeah. and that's what led to it and then of course there was that brilliant side step on the other lock tag burn 
What a player he is! It's amazing. It was like it was. It was bringing back memories of Wales 2005 Grand Slam, where yes, you, 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 you almost find yourself like half chortling to yourself watching it because it was so audacious. But everything about that try summed up with the performance. There were so many times where you thought, "Oh, this could break down. This could break down." But it was just the right call, the right decision. Shingler's great surge, and then the work yeah, from Paul Asquith at the end, just picking the perfect offload out to the tackle to Tyburn. Oh, it was just a great try. And, and you know, the other tries, you know. In different ways, were excellent. I think um, if I remember, Hadley Parks was where Gareth Davis burst off the line yeah, out. Yeah, really powerful. Where it cooked in that yeah, great game. Hatchell obviously created two. Hatchell yeah. created the one great, for great Scott pass. Williams. Left foot, left foot, a grabber. You know, he's a right pass for Asquith. That sort of went under the radar, but that is. He picked it perfect, and that, of course, going back to this whole thing about stepping in as another decision maker outside Dan Jones, picking the pass, try time, and that that's well, it's the pass that made that try. It's a great pass, yeah. It's, it's the attitude yeah. they play with, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's, the, yeah, it's a can-do, you know, attack-minded and always believing that in your teammate to be there for yeah. the support. If you haven't got the confidence, you couldn't play like that yeah. because you'd be putting balls down. I suppose if we go back to Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, whatever it was, when the teams came out and then the teams came out again and, and they'd lost nickel and halfpenny, uh, and in, in the office you sort of felt oh, that there was a mood of deflation wasn't yeah. it but what it showed is that whoever comes into that side now can buy into the game plan and that's what they've developed they've de- you know, Tom Pridey came in, hasn't had a lot of rugby this year Asquith who you know, can play pretty much anywhere comes in and they all do a job Patchell goes to 15 they fit into the pattern because they've all got belief that everybody in the score can do that Dan Jones you know I we wondered how he'd well. stand up. It was the one time where Banahan went through him early on at the Rudia, but he really played well. They've all got belief in each other, in every member of the squad, and they've always, you've always said, isn't it? You've got to have a couple of players in each position if you're going to compete for something. Let's give him a bit of credit on that front because he did a job on a basket for starters. So they had a lot of forward ball as well. But well for Wales, but that could well be the Wales front. Yeah, I thought Samson has come back from injury and played uh, really well. Keno was at a massive game. Yep. And uh, he was superb. So can they beat too uh, long? That's the thing. Can they beat too long? Yeah, they it can. Means, it means Nearly beat. I mean, in fact, I doubt they should have beaten but, over there. But will they look? Depending on the weather, obviously. Say it's a well, good the forecast day. is good at the right. moment. So will they just do the same thing? Will they go the same way? Well, why not? Because that's their strength. And either one, what they want to do against Toulon is keep the ball alive and high ball in play time because they will believe their fitness is a lot better than Toulon's French teams tend to blow up a bit you know, yeah how do we see it going because obviously Bath Bath got sucked in to the game but they tried to do what the Scarlet and they can't they haven't the skill set to do it yeah, Bath, Bath did that against Toulon mind. they were running and you know Bath could have won in Toulon mm. like the Scarlet's could have and they beat him at, uh, at the rec uh, by playing that sort of game that's yeah. their game as well because they haven't got a great pack Bath um, that's the Scarlet's best style I think of course they're going to have to be a bit um they're going to have to be a bit uh, careful at times not to uh, do anything uh, daft. But I think the worst thing they could get drawn into is a, like a, a dogfight yeah. up front and just a bit of nip and tuck. You know, because the uh, Scalas is one of those games you think could be high scoring and Scalas are going to get a bonus point anyway for scoring four tries. Interesting thing, if you go back to the game, which is the first game of the group back in October, Scarlett's went behind early on, but then came back with the purple patch, went ahead, scored yeah. a couple of tries, yeah. and half penny scored. And but in that, I think like fifty-five minute to seventy-minute period, 
Toulon just absolutely turned the screw up yeah, front, it and it was remorseless yeah. carrying and carrying oh, from their big man yeah. Bastero in the yeah. centre as well. The big carries, the big forwards. Of course, we don't know if Bastero. Well, we don't. That's coming come today. Well, the point I'm making is that that is the slight concern, mm. isn't it? If Toulon were able to get that juggernaut going again, it is hard to stop. Oh, it is. Yeah. But you know they've not been fantastic in this tournament. No, they haven't. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say the well, French league is fantastic. They could, they could, you know, they, they, they could have lost against Bath yeah. in France. Yeah. Should have lost against the Scarlets, really. Yeah. The Scarlets haven't given them, and they could have lost against Benetton. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that means? That probably means they're going to go on and win it. <laughs> well, I tell you the other factor which you mustn't underestimate. We've often talked Man, over, we've often talked over the years about how when Welsh teams go to France or some of the English clubs, the atmosphere there, the full mm. houses, are difficult. And we sometimes don't get that here. They're heading for a full house at the at Park of Scarlets. Talking about even having to put temporary seating in there for the game. Yeah. And there was a long that, that ain't been full too yeah. often that place. Too long, one like it. They won like it. They didn't like it there last year, did they? No, last well, season no. they lost. Who yeah. was it who missed the last minute? Mr. Halfpenny. Yeah, but Scarlett deserved to win that game as well. Yeah. Well, here's the question: and if Halfpenny and McNichol both pass fit for this week, what's your, what's your starting back division for the Scarlets? <laughs> I would suspect they would probably go. Patchell back at ten. Daniel's been playing well, not just in that game. I would say they would probably go back Patchell at ten with his kick in, and. Uh, Halfpenny at full back and uh, McNichol on the wing instead of Asworth, probably. Personally, myself, I would always play McNichol at full back because I thought he was the man from full back last season who lit up the, the Scarlets uh, yep. uh, his counter attacking, his passing, which bull, like Bullring did last week. thought he was brilliant. I'd try and find space for Asquith personally. I think he just offers so much. He can, he's stepping in any situation, just makes the right calls. Good for the bench. Possibly. Yeah. There we go. You know, yeah. But anyway, the bottom line is. What we do know is if they win, they're through. They win the group. Yep. And that, you're settled for that with three minutes to go at home to Treviso in the third game where they were losing, heading out of the tournament after three successive defeats, it looked. What oh, a turnaround. Yeah, yeah, what a turnaround. Yeah, yeah, we did know after, even though they lost uh, their first two games, they, um, bonus points. they bonus points, and we knew it was in a brief and capability to uh, win their remaining four matches. The last team who qualified after losing their last two First two matches? Do you know who it was? No, you're going to tell me no, Benjamin. It was Bath, 2015. Good work, Radwood. Well, and, and what you could have is two teams qualifying from that situation because the Ospreys also, remarkably, given they that. lost their first two games, they are also potentially a win away from um, winning the group and going through. Now, it's slightly more complicated with them. Look at the table in front of me now. They are away to Claremont for one thing, which ain't the easiest Claremont place. Claremont have been struggling, mind. Not an easy place to go yeah, around, is it? Been there a couple of times, yeah. and uh, they can get a bit feisty, the fans over yeah. there. I remember watching a game. Uh, Cardiff Blues went out there almost we were 10 years ago, and Cardiff Blues, lo- Cardiff Blues lost 48-17. And they still uh, were attacking the officials at the end of the game because <laughs> they had the temerity to just sit and bin a couple of Claremont. It was incredible performance. The linesman came up with a broken thumb. I've never seen the like. Um, so it was a tough place to go. And not only do the Ospreys have to win, but realistically, to be sure going through, they've got to beat the, uh, Claremont by four points uh, to, to I mean, deny Claremont them lost by the other leader, Northampton, last week, threw it away and lost. Uh, well beaten in the end. In some ways, that's. I, I, I was at the and a week before was, they got yeah, hammered Claremont was, get at Brieve or somewhere I, think. I was at the Liberty on Saturday and we were in the press room beforehand and we, you know, Claremont looked comfortable and they lost it and for me that, that was almost the worst result for the Ospreys because to be honest, they probably wanted to travel to Claremont next week with Claremont knowing they won the group take their minds off the game now Claremont have something to play for Yeah, yeah no pressure. they need to win I mean it's interesting if, if the Ospreys 
win, but Claremont get enough to win the group or the bonus point or whatever points difference. It does it? become complicated because that would put the Ospreys on 19 points. You look at the other groups. Hang on, hold on. There is a complication for this group as well. And that's Saracens. Well, how many points are they on? 13. 13. Right, and Ospreys are on? 15. 15. So if the Ospreys win. And, and Claremont at the moment? 18. 18. Well, what about, uh, let me put this situation to you. Yes. What about if the Ospreys were to win in Claremont yes. and not get a bonus point? But Clermont pick up two bonus points from the game by finishing within seven points, perhaps going four tries or something. Yeah. Yes. And wouldn't that be appealing for Clermont? So and you're talking about this. to eliminate <laughs> Saracens, the holders, and a real danger to win the tournament. So you're talking wouldn't about. It be, uh, wouldn't it be an interest? You're talking Claremont. about Skullduggery in the hand. No, I'm just talking about being pragmatic. Like Germany, Austria, you know, we talk, you know, we've seen this in football <laughs> tournaments. In the past, and perhaps in uh, some rugby tournaments, I'm talking about wouldn't it be in the interest of Clement and the Ospreys to eliminate Saracens now rather than face the possibility of meeting them in the knockout stage? Well, it'd be very nice. I mean, going back to what I was saying, the Ospreys, if they finish second on 19 points, you look at the other groups, the scenario is it's five groups, yeah, no. five winners go through and the three best runners up. If you look at the other second place teams, La Rochelle are on 16. And they got a home game against Alvarez. home game, you expect them to win. Exeter, I believe, are away to Glasgow. I mean, Glasgow have lost all five. You'd see Exeter go in there and winning. Racing are in the mix as well. Munster and, Cl- and Castres. So, you know, you, you wouldn't be sure. It'd be one of those classic scenarios. You need to be like Carol Vorderman, Richard Riley, with the old calculator out, working out the yeah. permutations, waiting for the results to come in for elsewhere. Um, bottom line, Osprey's got to win. Perfect scenario, win by eight points. They're in, they've done it then. But uh, to be honest, any, any, kind, of win, any kind of win in Claremont. Last yeah. time they went to Claremont, was it two seasons ago? They, got they two, nearly two won points. and they picked up uh, two points. And they won at the Liberty as well. Yeah. It would be remiss of us not to talk about, though, the game against Saracens. A very different type of game to the Scarlets game. It, well, if the Scarlets was this fast-paced, action, you know, action-packed game, this felt like a game where both teams knew... They couldn't lose. That was brutal. Brutal physical game of rugby. Uh, compelling to watch in a different kind of way. I, I wasn't that impressed by Saracens, I have to be honest. I don't think that the team that they were uh, didn't look like creating a huge amount. Uh, I thought the Tipperick, as we said, was very good. Uh, Nicky Smith, I tell you what, well, how well best recently. are Wales in the loose head position yeah. at the moment? Rob Evans, outstanding. Wynne Jones come through really well the last year, big autumn. And Nicky Smith has, has, has had a real purple patch. He's scrimmaging over Christmas. He did a big number on the, on the Cardiff Blues, I remember, in the game there. Uh, and he was excellent. He gave Vincent Cock, who is one of my favourite players in the, in the Viva Premiership, really rate him. He didn't like it, Vincent. He was off the field. Nicky Smith did a big number on him. I have to take my hat off to him. Uh, it was that kind of game, though. It was a physically brutal game. did as well. Uh, what disappointed me was the referee. Who was it, Ann? John Lacey. I can tell you I was there he was not popular in what, what was John doing that was a problem well it seemed to me that the Ospreys came off on the wrong side of a few decisions the breakdown was breakdown was scrum scrum as well scrum was, of time. Yeah, Ospreys Saracen's on top winning penalties really all of a sudden he's given you know Saracen's uh, uh, penalty uh, it made me think do these referees go into matches with a mindset? Oh, the assassins are the big team, the main team. Or not? I, suppose, I suppose the moment that summed it all up was uh, Dimitri Arhip got the ball in midfield, received a pass, dropped it backwards. Anyone in the crowd could see I was level with it. Mm. You could see it was backwards. And there we go. Blows up for a knock on. Mm. Mm. So disappointed with his refereeing. I suppose the other big talking point uh, is 
obviously he finished 15 all. Reese Webb kicked it out at the end when the Ospreys perhaps could have pushed for a win. Now, what are your I two that was, opinions I, 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 on that? To be honest, I, I thought it, I could see why they did it because they'd have been under the cosh for about two three minutes before yeah. that with the Saris trying to come back and win the game. Osprey stole the ball a um, long way from the try line. Uh, Wait, where was he chesting his own half? Um, yeah, Ashley, around, Ashley Beck got an intercept or a loose yeah, ball, and he, you could see you maybe. could see he hadn't got the legs, yeah. and he just he was running in quicksand. They got to the halfway line initially. I thought it was on. You know, Saracens were out on their feet, hmm. but they slowed the ball down at the breakdown. And you got it, in your in your mind when it's not happening and things have slowed. You think if we try something here, we turn the ball over. They go up the field, penalty or foul, or kick a drop goal, and that's out of Europe. You accuse me of being negative. No, this Harry. is the difference. <laughs> this is the difference between Simon and I. Simon. Yeah, you'd have lost the game. Simon's a Simon's a uh, pragmatist. Half half. Glass half full, man. glass half full, man. I'm half empty. I would have got. I would. I would have got. Empty. Uh, oh, you sold them half empty. Yeah, you sold them down the river. Yeah. You got them on their own. I would have. Uh, I would have been tempted. Uh, I would have gone for it. You, you, you're a rose. You were a scrum half. Cross pieces like that. I think it was, wasn't it? United. I would have. No, I would. Do you know why I would have gone? I would have gone try and get a drop goal range and drop a goal. Well, I was surprised. I was surprised Saracens didn't. Yeah. You know, they were outside the twenty-two. I, I couldn't believe that they didn't at I, least try. I think. I think position. as well. Everyone was pretty much well, outside their feet. Everyone's out in their feet. Then. As well, early in the game, didn't the Ospreys turn on a kickable penalty in the second half and go for the corner and mess the line up? What I would say in reflection, I thought the draw was about the right result. They kind of pummeled each other into submission, you know, and negated each other. Um, it's just left the group fantastically balanced because obviously Saris have got Northampton in the last game and they've had the real Indian sign over the Saints over the last year so you'd expect them to get a maximum so I would take them to 18 so they're back in the equation again they could sneak through as a runners up it, there are just so many permutations to these and uh, where are Saris playing? Saris are away to Northampton oh, and, so he's at, at home to Northampton and if you remember they smashed them in the, in the, the first game having already smashed them and got tricking them in the opening game of the league season so you'd expect maximum you points. Quinn's the Saints, sorry, Saints. Saints, you know, obviously yeah. big club. I think Ashley turn it round a yeah. bit, but you would expect you would expect. Saris, yeah. I suspect Saris to get a bonus. And they they look a different team. And of course, they'll, they'll, what you'll find is that they'll be getting updates from France of what's going on in the Ospreys game, that'll yeah. impact upon things. But hey, it's all to play for, isn't but, it? But you know, as I said, never know. Claremont and the Ospreys. Uh, a mutual interest <laughs> and it, they could eliminate we'll move on quickly things. from that one I think oh, um, yeah. right so we'll head on to the challenge cup subconsciously um, uh, the Cardiff Blues it's well, it's quite a nice situation going into the final weekend. For all this chat about what other people are going to do, certain team are through already, and not they? The Cardiff Blues are yeah, there in the second string competition. By the oh, way. there we go. Certain team are there with a the game to spare. Um, I mean, Andy's pointed it to be a second team competition. It is true, but if you look at that group, it's two French teams in it: Toulouse and Lyon, and also Sale. So it wasn't an easy group. Oh, um, but, uh, you know, I applaud it. I give them applaud. They played well against Toulouse, and played yeah, well. And I mean, they've done the do, do the double of the Toulouse, you know. And what it's important, I think, to say is that you know we watched that game and Toulouse didn't come there just so French not really caring about Europe as you sometimes get accused not really turning up they they came you know with a, with a strong team and they really went for it and there were times in the game where you, you thought oh, this is going to go away from the Blues that fullback uh, Ramos was sort of an outstanding game everything seemed to revolve around him and Sebastian Betsy the scrum half so much of French rugby goes through the nine doesn't it but in fairness to the Blues they um 
10 all at half time, game in the balance, uh, and then uh, Ramos kicked a goal which put Toulouse ahead. And there was a 15 minute period where the, the momentum was with Toulouse. You thought it was going, but it, you have to say there were very astute decisions made by Danny Wilson because he changed the halfbacks. He took off Jared Evans. Jared's more, very much a run-in, ball-in-hand um, fly-half. And it meant that, that, because that's the way he was, the Blues were playing, it's a strong Toulouse side. They weren't really making a huge headway. Changed it, brought Stephen Shingler on. First thing Shingler did, give a short ball uh, from a liner to uh, Alice Cuthbert, smashed through, set the try for uh, Anscombe, which put the Blues ahead. And from that moment on, Shingler basically played a territorial kicking game. Hasn't played a lot of rugby this year, Shingler. You know, for various reasons. Jared Evans coming through his own injuries. A great year last year, but it was good to see him coming back, and he just dictated the play. And the defence was very strong as well. And Hanscom kicked the point, man of the match. Hanscom kicked a penalty to see him through. So yeah, it was it was a it was a good you know good win, good solid win, and uh, they now wait to see who they play in the, in the quarterfinals. So they got Leon away this weekend. You tipping them to to win. Or well, it's a strange one because it doesn't matter what they do. They're the only way that the Blues could get a home quarterfinal is if they get the maximum against Leon. And Connaught lose at home to Ajax, the French club. Ajax have only won one out of five. They're bottom of the table. Connaught need to win to get a home quarter final. You can't see it happening. So realistically, the Blues are going to be the fifth best group winners, which means they'll be away to the fourth best group winners. Now, that could be any one of four teams. It could be uh, Connaught, who I've mentioned. Newcastle. It could be Edinburgh. It could potentially be Newcastle. I think you can write them off because they've got um, Newcastle have got uh, Russian opponents, NSI. They expect them to be, uh, be in the top two seeds. So realistically, I think it's going to be between uh, Connaught, Edinburgh and Gloucester. Gloucester play Poe on Friday night in a winner-takes-goal group decider at King's Own. So I think you'd edge towards Gloucester being winning that. So it then could come down to the the, the bonus points that they and Connacht game respectively. My own guess is I actually think the Blues will end up away to Gloucester because I think Gloucester will get a four and point win against last week, yeah. which is who they played last, last year. year. Yeah, last year. I think Gloucester will get maximum against Paul. Well, that would obviously mean that the Blues will probably get Connacht. But then the other one is um, Edinburgh away to Stade Francais. The Stade Francais have still got an outside chance of a runners-up spot. So if the Edinburgh were to lose in Stad, they're already through Edinburgh, but if they were to lose, they would then be the fourth best winners. And a trip to, uh, would it be Murrayfield or Myers? I'd probably, I don't know. Depending where, on where that. Depending on the, because they've had to switch a couple of matches yeah. to Murrayfield so recently it, because of uh, snow and frozen grounds. Very sm- slim chance it could be a way to Poe with certain other results, but that's, that seems a bit unlikely. Yeah. So, but anyway, they're going to be on their travels, but uh, the big thing is they're through. So from one team who is... Definitely through to a team who has still has a fighting chance. Oh, that match, the Dragons, tiny, it, tiny chance. And they got to get a bonus point. The they, they've got it basically because they're five points behind Bigley's Bordeaux, having lost to them last weekend. So they would have to get to that level. Yeah. So they'd have to get a maximum five-point game, and obviously Bordeaux claim no match points from it, which would both put them on uh, sixteen, I think it is, at the top of the table, a second in the table behind Newcastle. So we're talking about a runners-up spot here. Uh, so they would need to do that. So they would have to beat Begley's Bordeaux uh, with a 5 nil batch margin and beat them by more points than Begley's beat them last week, which was eight. So you're talking about a nine-point win with a five-point match. It's, it's very extreme. And even then, you would need other results to go their way. Uh, for example, Edinburgh beating Stade Francais for them to get through his round. So it's, let's put it this way. It's slim. It's slim. It's slim. It's slim. Uh, it's impossible, though. But stranger things have happened. Hmm. Can they beat Bordeaux? <laughs> Game pretty close last week. Gave a good account of themselves, didn't they? What their attitude, what their team selection be for this weekend? 
Or has he really basically just got 25 odd players available fit at the moment? Yeah, he'd be good, he'd be good for it, wouldn't he? After last weekend, they won, they need a win, don't they? Desperate for a win. Yeah. Yeah, so why not? Yeah. They must have enjoyed it last weekend, though. They were ahead for a, lot, a large part of that game. There was a big crowd over there. You know, Bordeaux, one of the best supported teams in Europe, along with Leinster. And uh, big crowd and all that atmosphere must have helped them. And, uh, you know, some boys come in and played well. Yeah, has they got a few boys back uh, as well this week? So Who's uh, back on? Well, Liam Brown, he might, uh, he may, uh, good he may be back. Uh, Amos, pos- potentially, possibility, be ahead of schedule. Might, get, might, uh, might get a game. So, um, and Henson, yeah. is he going to play? He came off bench last week, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah how, how did Dorian do? Dorian Jones. I could not say. I was at the Ospreys. I was at the Liberty. Oh, right. Sorry, I just. <laughs> well, I saw your name somewhere. That was all. Um, <laughs> it'd be nice to see Henson get a start. Be nice to see him play. And yeah, I think Dor- Dorian Jones, in fairness, mind he deserved that start last weekend because he, he, he wait, started wait. under Jack when he came from Ebervale, Eber- didn't he? Put RGC, the oldest out of the cup, with his performance, came into the team last weekend and he played really well. So maybe he ben- deserves another ben- chance. Beneath Henson, you've got the three outside house, the three young outside house Dorian Jones, Angus O'Brien, and Arwell Robson. Yeah, I was injured. But of those three, I mean, they're, they're both and he signed Josh Lewis for next season. Josh Lewis, where, where does where's that pecking order lie next season? They're not going to be able to keep all of those outside halves, there, right. are they? Yeah, Alwell Robson will be staying. Will be. Yeah, they see him perhaps as a future. You know, they've been giving him games. Angus O'Brien, I'm not sure what his contract uh, status is. He's played full back a bit. Um, hasn't really started at ten. Two, he had a few starts earlier on in the season. Hasn't so much recently. He's also another one who's playing for his future. Dorian Jones looked to be on his way out the door, even though I think he's got another year left on his uh, contract. But because of his performance for Ebervale, he's forced his way back into the picture a bit, and maybe he'll get a few more opportunities now to prove that he's... Um, and, and Josh he's Lewis? What, what do you know well, about Josh Lewis play? is... Uh, he, he, he's a pretty decent player. I've seen him play. He's quite a good player. A uh, good controller. Uh, yep. Started out at uh, Ebervale. This, even though he's a uh, you know playing in Gwent, uh, Scarlet's of course picked him up, same as they picked up Lewis um, Rollins, Jack Condy from uh, Gwent, from under the uh, you know from under the nose of the dragons, if you like. Went to the Scarlet's, but he suffered a serious knee injury there, so they, they, you know he's out for a long time. Never saw the best of him, and back to Ebervale, and then uh, uh, Bar spotted him last season and, and signed him, didn't he? As their third choice um, outside half is covered to Reese Priestland and. Um, and Freddie Burns, of course. The interesting thing with Josh now, he might get some uh, opportunities over the next few weeks. Six Nations, Preston in a Wales yeah. injured and in a Wales squad, and uh, so he'd be back. He'd be you expect he'd be at least be on the bench behind Burns. There we go. You know, because that was a blow, wasn't it, for Bath last week? They lost Preston yeah, in about uh, the fourth uh, minute, and uh, I can't say on, Burns it? impressed me that uh, uh, that much. So there we go. Um, so yeah, all that leaves us to do is uh, some predictions for this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, will, I, knew, I, I knew this was going to come up. I will point out that <laughs> I did tip the uh, Scarlets to win last week, Simon. And, uh, hey, I got it wrong. You, I have, is that, yeah, I you, as you are today, as you are today, we are defeated. Is this basically I did also say the Ospreys would win, but they'll draw. I'll take that. And I said the Blues would win. And you said they would lose. No, you were right. Once again, you showed your far greater knowledge of the game. No, it was like. <laughs> this week, this week, I'm going to go. I think we're going to agree on the Scarlet this week, Scarlet. aren't we? I'm going to say Scarlet's going to win. I say Scarlet's going to win. Scarlet's going to win. Uh, Ospreys are going to lose, but they might get. I think they'll get a bonus point. I think Ospreys will lose. Yeah. Um, Blues for their victory lap, effectively. I think it depends what attitude the Blues go. If the Blues go with a strong team, um, 
on the right attitude, I think they'll win. Uh, I got the impression, speaking to Danny after the Wilson after the game, that there's one or two players need a break. But there are players who come in back fit and they've got a strong yeah. squad yeah. now. Leon. It depends on Leon's attitude Leon as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I can go for the Blues. They want to maintain the momentum. I'd go for the Blues to win as well. Okay, and, and finally it, the Dragons. Bordeaux can still qualify. I can go for Bordeaux. I can't agree with them on everyone, so I'm going to say the Dragons. Well, there we go. <laughs> Uh, that's, all. <laughs> that's all for today uh, on the podcast but you can keep up to date with all the latest news uh, from the European action this weekend on Wales Online